Welcome to the Ultradent Products Podcast. Today we have on our show again our CEO and founder of Ultradent Products, Dr. Dan Fisher. Mel, thank you again for having me on your lovely podcast. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to have you. Um, I have been interested to hear you speak before about the two products that it's important to be brand conscious about. One is curing lights and the other is bonding agents. Can you tell us why? Yes, I'll tell you why, but I'll first make a few qualifications. Uh, yes, there are many quality brands of composites and many quality brands of matrices and, and the like. But there are two products that are most importantly driven based on brand as per their quality, their performance. One is Curing Light, and we've spoken on Velo before, but the second is the bonding agent. Those two products can vary dramatically based on brand. Uh, Ultradent is, is fortunate to have some very passionate, caring, driven people, uh, teams that go places other humans haven't gone before. And about, starting about 18, 20 years ago, our team in R&D uh, began the quest to create the best uh, high performance but practical way of test testing adhesion. And they went through many iterations on this over a multi-year period. They ultimately created what is known today as the Ultradent Tester. Uh, in 2013, and as promoted by uh, even a, a prominent uh, uh, individual of another dental company's R&D department and some professors uh, prominent in adhesion, the Ultradent tester was voted in, without our prodding, was voted in as the world standard, the ISO standard for bond testing. And that means that uh, most research centers use it, uh, uh, many dental schools use it, uh, virtually every competitor who is serious in bonding uses it. But that really had to be the nucleus, the seed to enable us to create via our testing and that of others what is the highest bond strength adhesive on the planet, and that is the peak. Now, originally it was PQ1, and PQ1 is a great bonding agent, mm -hmm. but some dentists struggled with, with the higher viscosity. So keeping the same chemistries, we, we made it a little thinner so they could thin it more, and so that it could be thinned to such a level that when polymerized prior to composite looting of an indirect restoration, it wouldn't hold the restoration high. So it, it's approved for both of those purposes, and it was, most probably the first universal bonding agent in, in that accord. Uh, certainly one's always got to use the correct conditioners like uh, for sure phosphoric with dentin enamel, uh, hydrofluoric with ceramic and the like, but with the appropriate conditioner it, it is a universal bonding agent for bonding and post and whatever else. But just to give a sense, an idea of how much the adhesion can vary bonding agent to bonding agent to bonding agent. That Ultradent tester, it was made possible by a unique uh, grinding machine we have in our building, and, and these aren't cheap. Uh, to buy this machine today with its ultra high filtration for particulate matter and the like of the cooling oils and whatnot, 
it would cost over $2 million. Wow. And yet this machine can grind to a one micron accuracy. So Neil Jessup and his team, Neil being over the R&D department, uh, they continued to refine and created a notch type of shear head that married up against a precision button of composite that was created in our molding department with some high precision molds. And hence you can have reproducible dimensions uh, and fit uh, of, the, of the head that'll shear the button to the button. But additionally, in their serious study over years, they discovered there's optimum diameters. You, you come to a point if the diameter gets too large, you're going to have a bond strength that will be artificially low, and if it's too small, it can be artificially too low. So reaching that, that sweet spot in the middle and with that high precision enable them to have a bond test that would give real credible input back to the chemist. Additionally, though, an important input on this alternate tester, complete with the jigs and the, and the high-precision uh, composite and or milled zirconia or whatever that is being used with it, uh, very important was that it be practical in the sense that someone could generate a substantial number of tests in, in one day. Mm -hmm. And uh, a, a trained technician can create 200 tests. 200 samples in a day. So with statistically significant numbers, uh, very repeatable testing capability, it enabled our chemists, working in concert with the technicians, to know within a day did what they adjust in the chemistry the day before put us in a better direction, in a worse mm -hmm. direction, or no improvement. And so with this capability and with their passion and drive to maximize the adhesion to dentin and to enamel, PQ1 first came out, which was right at the top, and, and then peak, as I shared with the, with the thinner, uh, the thinning capability. Mm -hmm. Now, when we test that with this ultradent tester, uh, it's, it's very usual for a set of five for a technician to get 72, 77 MPA for an average set of five. Uh, occasionally for a set of five, they may hit 80, 82. Uh, but then one asks, as I would have to ask as a wet-handed dentist, what does that number mean? Mm -hmm. What do any numbers mean? Well, as a general rule, a number means nothing unless you can use it to compare against another number that your brain can wrap around. You gotta have context. You gotta have context. Yeah. It's gotta be relative to something. Mm -hmm. It can't just be abstract out in mm -hmm. the air. Mm -hmm. So a study that, that Neil just participated in when he was in the biomaterials department at Loma Linda, uh, he participated with Jerry Dennehy, University of Iowa, Marcus Vargas, University of Iowa. And instead of bonding a button of composite onto human tooth surface and, uh, and curing and then doing the testing. They took the teeth that were embedded in the methyl methacrylate resin and turned these in a lathe so to subtract dentin away 
leaving a contiguous button of dentin connected to dentin. And uh, they did this uh, in, in the site of, of molars. And not even connected to dentin, not bonded to dentin, just, just contiguous a protrusion dentin. of dentin. A protrusion right. of dentin. That's a good way to put it, Mel. A protrusion creating that same precision cylinder. So you don't have dentin. any interface that no, you're testing. No interface, yeah. Right. And then breaking dentin from itself. Right. Uh, to validate that test, Margus Vargas did a microtensile, just tearing dentin from itself. And with both tests, uh, and, and it could vary a little depending on the orientation of the roots, but with both tests, uh, to break dentin from itself comes in a little under 100 MPA. So, so with that knowledge, a Is dentist- that challenged commonly held beliefs, right? Oh, it's so challenged commonly held beliefs. Uh, when we were back in the extremely low knowledge era, uh, of using crude gelatin capsules and using a straight, straight knife, edge. straight edge mm -hmm. chisel it, it, with those type of tests and with making, using it with capsules that were larger in diameter than they should be. It, it's important to remember that a straight line crosses a circle at a tangential point, mm -hmm. but one point nonetheless. And that's regardless of how large that circle is, in so this case, a cylinder. So you're point loading. You're point loading. Tiny little yep. area. You're point loading. And so when, in fact, you put that point load on a cylinder, and even magnified more if it's too large of mm -hmm. a cylinder, wow, now what you're doing is you're compressing the composite. You're, you're measuring more the compressive resistance of the composite than the true adhesion. Uh, hence why the high precision notched, if you will. So by preparing contiguous protrusion of dentin by, with a lathe, cutting surrounding dentin away, and then testing in the same way, and coming in under 100 MPA, you can see that testing done with that ultradent tester with the same dimension, same precision, but with bonding agents and various dental materials, be it composite, be it zirconia, be it ceramic, be it cast gold, whatever, you can get a pretty good relative idea of how these bonding agents compare. Yeah, in the high 70s, low 80s, you're pretty close to you're Natural. getting pretty close. Yeah. And, and what did people think the strength of dentin was before? Oh, we, we had many gurus who were claiming that you don't need a bonding agent any higher than 30 MPA or any higher, higher than 32 MPA because they would see dentin break away with these large gelatin capsule buttons. But what was happening is as you'd compress, it would just peel the dentin mm -hmm. out. It was a peel, not really a shear. Right. Uh, so in, in encapsulating with that notch and with high precision fit, you get more of a shear adhesion that's more reproducible. And hence, now, for the first time, we could start really comparing apples to apples with, with bonding agents. That test changed the world, right? So everybody was hovering around between 20 and 30 MPA, and suddenly you have an accurate test and you've got a spread, mm -hmm. right? You would have bonding agents with these crude capsules and too large of a diameter and a, and a, a chisel-type crosshead, 
and, and even using different composites. And the composites vary dramatically in their ability to uh, resist compression. Some composites are very elastic, and, and many times that's a very good feature to have in a composite, mm -hmm. but would not be good to use relative to a shear test, test because it would compress easier than you would like and prevent you from really being able to determine what is the adhesive strength between the interface yeah. uh, uh, right at the dentin and the, and the man-made material. So when we tested just for composite, for example, and incidentally, composite will bond to bonding agents at a higher value than any other material, which stands to reason as you get molecular cross-linking between the bonding agent and the uh, composite resin. Uh, whereas virtually all of the other man-made materials, you're relying on, man uh, on um, micromechanical undercuts. Uh, in the case of amalgam and gold, you're going to have bond strengths as low as 5 to 15 MPA uh, with, with a good bonding agent because of the interface between the bonding agent and or looting composite and, and that material. The very highest adhesion is with composite, and this is why uh, the last uh, couple years in my lectures I've been talking about the importance of a strong mutual attraction, not just bonding agent to tooth, but what is that bonding agent and or looting cement? What is its ability to bond to the man-made material? Because it's both interfaces that are mm -hmm. important as mm -hmm. a chain's no stronger than its weakest link. But using a, a composite which is very good to use to measure adhesion, a more rigid composite, uh, keeping apples to apples across the board. Our guys in our lab, and, and we are known to have a great lab facility, we do a lot of testing. But in measuring other brands of bonding agents, you can have bonding agents out there, and most of them are single bottle bonding agents, which can be as low as as 18, 20, 25 MPA, mm -hmm. which when used with the exact same apparatus by the same technicians, apples to apples, with a peak can come in with the high values of peak. That doesn't mean peak is the only quality bonding agent. Uh, I, I often say there's just a handful mm -hmm. of what I call non-compromising bonding agents. Compromising meaning those principally uh, created usually with marketing inputs that they be fast, mm -hmm. that they be able to demonstrate to the dentist that this is quick, it's mm -hmm. easy. Mm -hmm. But with something as important as a bonding agent and its dramatic influence on how long your restoration lasts, you need a non-compromising one. If you didn't want to use our peak, and you were using phosphoric acid etch, which is still the gold standard, by the way, uh, I would be recommending, say, like Solo or XTR by Kerr. Uh, 3M has a, a pretty good one. Uh, if you were a dentist who was more driven for the self-etch, meaning a, a no-wash etch, mm -hmm. uh, if you didn't want to use our peak self-etch, then I'd recommend uh, a Cure product, such as Clearfill SE. Uh, these are non-compromising adhesives, but I would encourage dentists to stay away from one bottle does all and speed and the like as those are compromising adhesives. Now let's say they're not using one of the brands you've mentioned. 
that a dentist is using what you would term a compromising bonding agent. What are they losing that they don't realize they're losing? Or, or what problems are they having that maybe they're not aware of? What should yeah. motivate them to investigate one of these non-compromising bonding yeah. agents? Well, Mel, I'm going to give you a little broader answer than what your question was. <laughs> okay. I, I've been known for that in the past. <laughs> done that before. Not? That's yes, okay. <laughs> yes, yes. There, there's, there's an expanded answer to that one question. And the expanded answer is this. If a dentist chose to stay locked in time following the principles of G.V. Black, in which if the width of that direct restoration started to extend more than 40% of the intercuspal distance, then they would go to an on-lane cap to cusp. For that type of mentality, they would survive. The restorations would survive for a long time. The challenge is, is they're much more invasive. And the more invasive the restoration, the more the tooth is cut, the more it increases probability of loss of vitality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but furthermore, the more it increases the price to the patient, and it increases the cost of the dentist, be it CAD-CAM or laboratory dentistry, this always brings a higher cost to the dentist as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you use a non-compromising adhesive, it enables you to create wider, larger, direct-placed restorations which are more affordable to the patient, more affordable to the dentist. The dentist still does well, even though charging less and reducing to one appointment. Uh, But furthermore, be it a small restoration, but most importantly with larger restorations, maybe recreating half of a central anteriorly with a direct bonded composite, you when you get up into those non-compromising values at 65, 70, 75, 80 MPA, now you not only have the two structure reinforcing that restoration, but you have that restoration reinforcing back to the tooth. And we've seen many cases even where that enamel wall on a bicuspid or a molar might have been so thin that with the polymerization, that that cracked and you saw that little crack go right across on the buccal aspect of a bicuspid or molar. But these little enamel veneers, as I like to call them, Mm -hmm. will stay bonded for many, many years. I've got cases in which they'll go 15, 18 years, and they'll probably go longer. We just haven't had the experience in living these larger restorations that long. Because the material's bracing the enamel. Yes, so Mm -hmm. you get that mutual attraction, which is gorgeous, as I've been sharing in lectures of the last couple of years that creating quality, long-lasting dentistry is like creating a quality, long-lasting marriage-slash-relationship, one with love and care and loyalty and the like. That mutual attraction is so important, and it is non-compromising adhesives that enable one to create a quality, strong, mutual attraction, which not only reinforces the restoration from the tooth, but in a reciprocal way, reinforces the tooth back from the restoration. Thank you so much for sharing with us today, Dr. Fisher. My pleasure. Thank you, Mel. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. For a full archive of our podcast, please visit podcast.ultradent.com. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for an upcoming podcast, 
please call us at 800-268-9010. Thank you.